What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movie Peter Pan and Wendy. Here's a quick synopsis. On the night she's being sent to boarding school by her parents, Wendy and her brothers John and Michael are visited by Peter Pan, someone they thought was make-believe, who invites them to Neverland, where they never have to grow up. The film stars Ever Gabo Anderson, Alexander Maloney, Jude Law, Yara Shahidi, Jim Gaffigan, and Alyssa Wapanatuck. Standout performances. One of the things that got me most excited for this adaptation of Peter Pan was the casting of Jude Law as Captain Hook, who in the past has played villains in Guy Ritchie's Arthur Legend of the Sword and Captain Marvel. It's also so interesting seeing him play these iconic mainstream characters and putting his own personal twist on them. Law currently plays Albus Dumbledore in the Fantastic Beast movie. I think he's been very good as Dumbledore, but sadly the movies are a mess. Him as Captain Hook was ever I wanted it to be and more. He is so clearly having a lot of fun going over the top in the best way possible and then he also grounds the performance with emotions. Law's upcoming roles include the movie Fire Band with Alicia Vikander where he is playing King Henry VIII, the Disney Plus Star Wars series Skeleton Crew with Carrie Condon and the series The Order with Nicholas Holt. Seeing Jude Law join Star Wars is going to be interesting. I like this mainstream arc that Jude Law is on right now. I know it didn't really work in the Marvel movies. He's not very good in Captain Marvel. He is a very good Captain Hook. I like seeing Jude Law show up in mainstream movies and TV shows. Yes, I like seeing him in movies like Vox Lux with Natalie Portman and The Nest with Carrie Coon, but I think he also works in these bigger blockbusters. I find my problem to be with most adaptations of Peter Pan is the character of Peter himself. It's not a great character to play. Most of the time he's just portrayed as a guy who doesn't want to grow up. With this version, I walked away impressed with Alexander Maloney. He was able to play a fully dimensional character. I also really like the fact that he's not always super likable. Director David Lowry really asked the question, is Peter Pan a real hero? And Lowry in the past has played with the likability of his lead characters. Forrest Tucker in The Old Man and the Gun and Gowan in The Green Knight. He turned Peter Pan into a complicated figure instead of a simple one. I do also want to shout out comedian Jim Gavigan who plays Hook's first mate Smee. This is a guy who is best known for being a hilarious stand-up comic, but I've been impressed with him in movies like Chappaquiddick and Tesla. He brings real warmth to the role of Shmee. He's becoming a really good supporting actor. Gaffigan will next have a role in Unfrosted, the Pop-Tart story, which is written and directed by Jerry Seinfeld. I want to see if Seinfeld is capable of making a great movie. He's made an all-time great sitcom. He's an all-time great stand-up. What he doesn't have is an all-time great movie. Other than Law as Captain Hook, the other major draw for this movie to me is who directed the film, David Lowry, whose filmography includes 2013's 
8th Embody Saints, 2016's Pete Dragon, 2017's A Ghost Story, 2018's The Old Man and the Gun, and 2021's The Green Knight. I love some of these and like all of them. This is Lowry's second live-action Disney remake, the first one being Pete's Dragon, and why he's so good at making these movies is he's able to remake them while still adding his own personal flair to them. This movie feels connected to his past works. Peter Pan and Wendy is about a character in Wendy who doesn't want her life to change out of fear. And you see that in the other lead characters of his film. Casey Affleck's character in A Ghost Story doesn't want to move out of his house because he is afraid of change. The film is also about the connections between people and their mothers. And you see that with Dev Patel's Gowan in The Green Knight. And there have been many great filmmakers who get lost in these Disney remakes. Guy Ritchie, Robert Zemeckis, David Lowry is smart making the occasional Disney movie because it gets more people to see his films. More importantly, he's not misrepresenting himself. If you see Pete's Dragon, it feels like a David Lowry movie. If you see Peter Pan and Wendy, it feels like a David Lowry movie. Lowry's next film is Mother Mary with Anne Hathaway, which will reportedly see the actress play a pop star. I love Anne Hathaway and I love the fact that she is working with my favorite filmmakers. She's coming off a movie with James Gray and now she's working with David Lowry. Now when it comes to live action Peter Pan movies, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. The most famous example being Steven Spielberg's Hook. A film that at the time starred three of the biggest movie stars Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, and Julia Roberts who was just then on the rise. At the time it was not beloved but now there are a lot of fans of this movie. It has become super polarizing. Some still believe it to be Steven Spielberg's absolute worst movie. What I gather from hearing about it is if you were a kid at the time, you've grown up to love that movie, but if you were an adult, you just don't understand it. And then you had Joe Wright's Pan. Now, Joe Wright's Pan starred Hugh Jackman and Rooney Mara and focused more on the fantasy elements of the story. That's always been been one of the biggest issues with adapting Peter Pan. Should the movie be a fully fairy tale or should the movie be more realistic? Peter Pan and Wendy is able to mix in elements of both. Neverland feels like a real place in this movie and at the same time there are kids flying around. Let's talk about how this version differs from other live action Peter Pan movies. Specifically the arc of Captain Hook which I won't spoil, is very different than I've ever seen it, and the movie really explores the relationship between Pan and Hook in a way that's interesting, that's also still very entertaining. Movies that humanize misunderstood people are interesting. I find it very boring to watch a movie where a bad guy is just a bad guy and we are not given any reason as to why he is a bad guy. It's why so many people are interested in the relationship between Batman and the Joker. Is Batman the good guy? Is the Joker really the bad guy? Is Batman creating the Joker? I think it's weird to say this, but the movie of Peter Pan and Wendy really explores this idea. Is it Peter Pan's fault that Captain Hook is Captain Hook in the first place? And that might be heavy for a kid's movie, but it really worked on me and it made the movie worth existing. 
I think this movie needed to have a reason to exist, and I think this plot point really gave it that reason to exist because it was so different than the other versions of the stories I've seen. My one major issue with this movie is this. It's that Tinkerbell doesn't talk. It annoyed me. Why cast Yara Shahidi from Blackish and Youngish if you're not going to have her speak the entire movie? They should have changed the character for this movie. I liked how there was not a feud between the characters of Wendy and Tinkerbell over Peter Pan's attention. That was great. But the other major change should have been Tinkerbell talking. This movie really could have used the star power of Yara Shahidi. She was just there flying around. What was the purpose of her being in this movie? Have Tinkerbell speak. This movie, Peter Pan and Wendy, is yet another live Disney action remake. So I thought it would be interesting to go through the list that they've made so far and check in with how good these movies or how bad these movies really are. Beginning with 2010's Alice in Wonderland from Tim Burton. The movie is a lot of fun with Mia Wasikowska, Anne Hathaway, and Helena Bonham Carter, and of course was a massive hit. I think I like this movie. This movie has a really good, interesting visual style. Alice in Wonderland is supposed to feel like a drug trip, and this movie feels like a drug trip. Next up is 2014's Maleficent, which is one of my favorite of these remakes. Angelina Jolie is brilliant in the role. I also really liked Elle Fanning. I liked Maleficent. I liked that they made the movie about the villain. The idea of Aurora being the lead is quite boring to me. And Angelina Jolie, it was so cool to see a movie star of that caliber play the bad guy. I really like this movie and would say it's my favorite movie that stars Angelina Jolie. In 2016, you have The Jungle Book from director John Favreau. I believe this to be the best of the Disney live-action remakes. I love the look of the film and the voice performances, especially from Idris Elba, who voices Shere Khan. That gets us to 2017's Beauty and the Beast. Now, this one feels like basically a shot-for-shot remake of the original animated film. You have Emma Watson, who I wasn't super impressed with in this movie. You had Dan Stevens. You had Luke Evans. Nothing about this movie separates itself from the original in a good way. Now, there are some aspects of the movie that are different, but those aspects don't really make a difference if you're watching this movie. Can I still watch the 2017 version of Beauty and the Beast? Absolutely. But I would much rather watch the original animated film, and I think that this movie is a bit of a waste of time. In 2019, we had three live-action Disney remakes, the first one being Tim Burton's Dumbo. I have seen bits of Tim Burton's Dumbo and have no idea why Tim Burton wanted to make a Dumbo movie. It has some of Tim Burton's favorites, like Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito. This movie does not need to exist. And then you have Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, which I feel like I've said everything I can say about Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. I thought Will Smith was very good in this movie. This is the type of movie and role that Will Smith should absolutely do. The rest of the movie, I really have no time for. It's not the type of movie I want Guy Ritchie making. That's my take on Aladdin. The big one is John Favreau's Lion King. I'm biased because The Lion King is my favorite Disney movie ever. I liked 
this version, especially Billy Eichner as Timon. In 2020, they gave us a live-action version of Mulan. Now, this is an interesting case study, because I think the issue with this movie is it tried way too hard to be different from the original film, which is one of my favorite Disney movies. It took all the fun away. How could you give us Mulan without Mushu? That doesn't make sense to me. 2021, we got Cruella, which is a lot like Maleficent. It's about the bad guy, and Emma Stone is brilliant as Cruella DeVille. I like this movie a lot. I love how it had a signature style. It's a really funny movie. I really enjoyed Cruella. Last year, we had Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio, which starred one of the biggest movie stars on the planet in Tom Hanks. Again, I don't want to revisit how much I don't like this movie, but this movie is why a majority of the public has a problem with the live-action Disney remakes, because this movie is soulless. I have no idea why this movie was made. I don't know why Robert Zemeckis was involved in this project. I don't know why Tom Hanks was involved in this project. It doesn't feel like anyone involved was passionate about the actual story of Pinocchio. When you watch these movies, you can immediately tell right away whether the people involved in them care about the original movie and did this for the right reasons. I think these are the type of movies you really can tell. Like the minute I started watching Peter Pan and Wendy, I was like, David Lowry cares about this. Jew Law cares about this. Everyone involved in this movie cares about paying tribute to the original Peter Pan while also doing something different. And that is the exact mindset that works. And when it doesn't work, they really make bad movies. And if you think the Disney live action remakes are going to stop anytime soon, then I've got some bad news for you. There are a lot of live action Disney remakes coming. Later this year, you have The Little Mermaid from Rob Marshall, starring Halle Berry as Ariel and Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. Then in 2024, you have Snow White from director Mark Webb, starring Rachel Ziegler and Gal Gadot, and Mufasa the Lion King from Barry Jenkins, and in the future, live-action versions of Lilo and Stitch and Hercules, with many more on the way. When it gets ridiculous is when they announce that they are remaking Moana into a live-action movie. The first one hasn't even been out a decade. That's truly when it feels like just a cash grab. I think you could have an interesting discussion as to why these are the movies that Disney lately is focusing on the most. They are just taking advantage of their massive, massive library. They have the advantage that other companies don't have. They have these iconic characters, and they can get movie stars to play them. They can get Jew Law to play Captain Hook. So it's kind of insane for you to go, well, you shouldn't do that. It's the same thing with the Marvel movies. They're making these movies because the biggest actors in the world want to make these movies with them because there's a lot of money to be made. That's the advantage. That's why they bought Marvel. That's why Disney bought Star Wars because the history of you loving them. So yes, it does feel wrong when they are using nostalgia against you, but it's their one game plan. It's what they have. They have all of these movies. I mean, the 1990s were filled with them. They could do Tarzan. They're probably going to do Tarzan. They're probably going to do The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I wouldn't be surprised if they do The Emperor's New 
groove. I loved every single movie that Disney made in the 1990s. And so did everyone else, and they know it. So they are taking advantage of that library. Oh, we could do something different. We can make a live-action version of this. And now the success of all of these movies lead to more and more movies. The only way they are ever going to stop is if they don't make money. Now, Peter Pan and Wendy is an interesting case. It's a streaming movie. I have no idea how many people are going to watch this movie. I don't know if it's worth it for Disney to make a movie like this just for it to end up on a streaming service. But I'll say this, I have no idea if The Little Mermaid is going to be a very good movie. I have no idea if it's going to be half as good as the original movie. From what I've seen, I have my doubts, but I do know this. That movie is going to make close to a billion dollars because there are not just one generation, not just two generations. There are multiple generations that grew up on that movie. Younger people are going to want to see that movie. Older people are going to see that movie. That is going to be a mainstream movie that makes close, if not to, a billion dollars. And that's what's going to make it worth for Disney to keep on making these movies. And I know most critics hate these movies. They say things like, these are just remakes. This is just a cash grab. Disney does not care about your bad reviews. They are not making these movies to win Oscars. They are making these movies to make money, to be memorable, for your kids to enjoy them. And as long as they are doing so, they're going to continue to make every animated film they've ever made into a live-action version of that movie. I mean, Lilo and Stitch was not that big at the time. I don't think it did as well at the box office as some of those other movies, but it was popular enough where they can revisit it and say, why don't we make this movie into a live-action version? And now they're getting big names to be a part of it, like Zach Galifianakis? Another major reason why movie lovers and critics seem to hate these movies is the kind of directors they get to make these movies, like Barry Jenkins. People want Barry Jenkins to make movies like Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. They don't want him making a live-action Lion King movie, and the reason he's doing so is because he's going to get paid a boatload of money, and people don't want that. They want him to make those smaller movies. They want him to win Oscars. They want him to make movies they would like. They can't even imagine this to be a movie that's worth Barry Jenkins' time. And I understand that, but there really is a chance that Barry Jenkins could do something really different with his movie about Mufasa. I mean, he's a great director, so I expect whatever he makes to be great. And that's what I loved about Peter Pan and Wendy. David Lowry is a great director, and he was able to make a movie that felt like all of his other films. It was able to stay true to who David Lowry is as a filmmaker. I think if you watch Green Knight and you watch Peter Pan and Wendy, you can tell that was made by the same person. That's why I think Peter Pan and Wendy is one of those rare cases where that is true. The director stayed true to himself. The ones that don't work are when the directors are just making a shot-for-shot remake. Overall, Peter Pan and Wendy is what I want from these remakes. It stays true to the source material while finding its own original path. I love the fact that the characters did not sing the original songs like You Can 
hits lie, that's when these movies start to feel like a greatest hits instead of a movie. David Lowry was the perfect director for it, and Jude Law is the best part of the movie as Captain Hook. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I highly recommend you check out Peter Pan and Wendy, and next week on the podcast, I'm talking about Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid, starring Joaquin Phoenix. So tune into that, and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.